Hello, can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Now you should be able to see me too. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Uh, Maria Rutenberg, welcome back to the Kill Stream. How you doing? Doing good. Nice to be here. Very cool. Now, uh, I kind of gave you a, a, a basic topic list or whatever. We'll go through some of those. But for people who don't know you, um, why don't you introduce yourself to the Killstream audience? You've been on before, but it's been a while. Yeah, so I am an attorney at law in California. I'm involved in politics a lot. I started California Republican Assembly, Bay Area chapter. I also fought Black Lives Matter inscriptions across the United States. I was involved a lot in the election integrity fight right after the elections, trying to win back Pennsylvania, Georgia, and a little bit of Nevada with the same success, unfortunately, across everywhere. Um, so, and I'm also doing real estate law, real estate investments, doing a lot of stuff in Israel. So I'm kind of a little bit of everything. Now, why don't you talk, I didn't have that on the list, but why don't you talk about some of your work on the election? So if you remember how it was, um, we had a lot of suspicions that elections will not be honest back when the, the whole thing started with COVID. So there was organization formed called Lawyers for Trump. It was a volunteer effort by a lot of attorneys across the United States um, to be ready, even when needed, to come um, on a short notice and help uh, with fighting for election integrity, which involved, in my case, somebody just called me out of the blue and said, Pennsylvania uh, looks like a, there's a good chance we can win it back. Why don't you just go to this? This is the address in Philadelphia. Jump on the plane, pay for everything, and um, go fight for it. So... It sounded attractive to me. I jumped on a plane and I went there and it was like a back of a hospital, like abandoned hospital, which was repurposed for election um, integrity fight. We had a call center on the first floor and then we had two level, levels of lawyers working on the good cases. So I personally worked on about 500 votes. The way we do it is by votes. How many votes can you get back? Um, so in my experience, I, I took affidavits from people who are willing to testify on the penalty of perjury in court and whose cases sounded good to two levels of screeners before me. So they would screen them, I would talk to them. If, if it sounded promising and it sounded like there is at least a few votes that we can get back, with them testifying how they were stolen and what exactly happened, um, I would take the case, I would help them write an affidavit, and then we would add it to the pile of evidence we had. So I would say when I was there, it was about maybe 30 other lawyers working on it. And... I in a, in a week and a half, I did about maybe five, 500 cases. So you can multiply and figure out how many actual votes we were would have gotten back had we received the hearing ever. We never got an evidentiary hearing. So we had a hearing um, on a threshold issue, but not to the point of judge looking at the actual evidence. So what reason did they give for you not getting the evidentiary hearing or why did it not get to that level? Uh, the, the actual reason was it was a political issue. They wouldn't word it exactly this way, but there's such a doctrine, and the court can always deny hearing a case if they think this is not within their power. You know, we have a separation of power. So if the judge thinks that this is not something he should be opining on, even though he might have an opinion about this, he can always kick it out and say this is this is a political question or that this is not something we're going to be granting hearing on without explaining you much. So just to give you an example, the same case we were fighting for, and my team was loosely affiliated with team of uh, Rudy Giuliani. Um, same case came over two years after, and the judge actually threw out the votes that came after the, the deadline. So if, if these votes were thrown out in due time, 
we had enough votes uh, for Donald Trump to win Pennsylvania. So the judge did say that thing two years after, because at this point it stopped being political. It became more of a legal issue. And all he said that I don't think this vote should be counted. What's the next step? It's not for me to decide. You guys go to assembly, you go to other avenues, but I will not be the one make a decision if Biden or Trump won in Pennsylvania, which kind of makes sense, you know, our judiciary is supposed to be separate from politics. Now, before we get into Giuliani and some other, since you brought it up, I'll, I'll bring that up in a minute, but uh, what all were your efforts? Uh, what did your efforts consist of in other states? Uh, in other states, in Nevada, for example, uh, the effort was focused on going door to door and getting people because the, the way the vote came back, it was very unrealistic. And I also f- had the same experience in Pennsylvania when uh, one of my witnesses came and said, I, you know, it's Erie County, blue, blue collar um, county. The guy who was a plumber and he said, you know, I've been to this county all my life. My grandpa was a plumber. My dad was a plumber. I'm a plumber. I know every single toilet. I know every single person. I know everybody in this little village. And I can tell you when they report that 70% voted Democrat, there's just no way. I know maybe one Democrat in the county. I can give you a list of everybody. And it just doesn't add up. So let's just kind of go door to door and see how they voted just to prove it. So that was that's how it started in Pennsylvania. And we had the same kind kind of cases a lot in Nevada when people would say just this is not there's no way in this precinct you get this kind of percentage. Why don't we just go door to door and ask people how they voted? And that's what we did. We, we sent people. I personally recruited about 120 people to go to Nevada and go door to door asking people if they would be willing. It's, nobody had to do it. If you're willing, tell us how many people live in your household, how many of them voted, and how did you vote? And people could dec- decline saying it. It's totally up to them. But the evidence we collected was in sharp contrast to what was reported. And we were trying to present it too to the judge, and judge did not grant us evidentiary hearing on that. Now, how do you think um, the Democrats pulled this off, I guess, uh, would be a, a question. Uh, of course, they changed the mail-in balloting um, rules in a lot of different states and um, increased ballot harvesting and, and stuff like that and use COVID kind of uh, as the excuse for that. But uh, personally, you have a lot of experience and a lot more than I do. I was at some of the rallies and, you know, followed mm-hmm. it pretty closely, but um, you were kind of on the inside there. Uh, how do you think they they pulled this off? Well, I can tell you like, an, as a, as a, like changing my hat as a real estate manager, uh, when, when, when you do mail, mail-in balloting, when nobody's watching anything, it, it's it's a you know it's, it's a Pandora's box. So what happened in like in California, just just in my experience, I manage one of the apartment buildings, and we have a huge turnover of people. So people come, they go, but they still get um, you know to get government benefits a lot. You have to register to vote. So what what we do get, we have a stack of um, unclaimed ballots in the in the laundry room. So at the time of elections, I would see like a stack and I have like nine plaques. It's not that big. People have much bigger. So nine plaques, you would have a stack of maybe 30, 40 ballots unclaimed. And if you are eager and uh, willing Democrat mailman who wants to help the cause, you will just go in your little street and collect. On my street, we had about 20 buildings. You just collect these ballots and you fill them out and you send them. And that's you, you get like this, like you know, 400 votes easily like this. So my theory, and it's not it's just just a gut feeling, that a lot of people were helping individually in different spots. I don't think it was orchestrated. In some states, it were orchestrated, like Wisconsin and Michigan. For sure, there were like inflow of ballots in weird hours that were not supposed to be delivered. So that's a separate story. But in states where people are actually predominantly Democrat, they would just help the cause by themselves. So people, small people who feeling like they can do things, you know, what what's wrong with Democrats is that they think that they're any means um, 
and justify their great cause. So they don't care about what kind of means they use. And I experienced this a lot in political fighting later, things that they're doing to us later, you know, in California now. They don't care how dirty they get as long as they get what they want. So what are they doing? In case, so that kind of leads into my next question. How secure are the elections uh, next year for the presidency? Um, we'll talk about the race itself here in a bit, but uh, how secure is it? Have some of these rules changed? And um, what's going on in California? Well, I can tell you again from my own experience in California, like what I did when we had recall Newsom, it was a, if you remember, we yeah. had the recall Newsom um, election which uh, I was volunteering to observe um, how how it was run, because I know in California it's hopeless, and it probably he was not, I mean, I don't think it was unfair, the result. I mean, I think it, people actually did vote for him to stay in office. But I wanted to see the mechanics of elections and how things are working on, like, on a level of precinct and to see what kind of things they're, they're pulling off. So one thing I noticed in our limited case, 78% um, of the ballots were uh, judged to be um, unreadable by the machine. So what it means is that 78% of the balance were going in the back room to be adjudicated by a separate process, which, so you understand, a federal standard is less than 1%. And since it was a state election, they can do things like that. So 78%, and I went to the election official, I said, like, am I, like, am I, am I not listening right away? This, something does not make sense. Are you, are you making a mistake by a digit or something? Because 78% is pretty much every single ballot goes, goes somewhere. And can I look at the adjudication process? Because it's a separate room that's closed doors. I would want to see that part because everything else I don't care. I mean, I think that's where things are happening. So I want to be in the room where it happens and look at how people actually processing this adjudicated ballots. What I saw was two ladies. I don't think they had American citizenship. They did not speak English. And they were looking at the intent of the voter. So behind closed doors, they were looking at the yes or no question because recall Newsom was a very simple question. It was just basically yes or no. If machine cannot read this, I mean, what else can it not read? This this is like as basic as it gets. Any multiple choice question, always read, no problem with any scansion. But this machine was adjusted to the point it could not read anything. And I did get a letter from, from the official saying, well, in some other county, 78% of the ballots are going to be adjudicated. Was it fraud this time? No, but this is a setup that's easy to use next time. And next time they're going to say, well, we've been doing it forever. It's always like that. There's nothing special about this election. We've, we've been doing 78% all along. And that's, that's kind of you know, giving them a green light to do whatever they want next time when we have a federal election. Now, now, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. I think that's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you, is there a way to 78%? That's insane. Uh, honestly, that's like you said, it should be single digits, not uh, double digits near 80 or 90%. That's insane. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, that just blows my mind, honestly. But um, is there a way to you know, maybe the rules can't be changed everywhere, the laws or the stuff they ushered in in 2020, but there, is there a way to kind of, uh, you know, watch them, maybe poll watchers uh, are, you know, employed a little bit better uh, by the Republicans, quite honestly, but... Uh, honestly, I mean, I mean, you're, you're looking at exactly the problem we have. We as a party are not organized the way we should be, knowing that there's a war going on. We kind of still treat it like a country club meeting. You know, and we, we try not to get our hands dirty and we kind of trust them and we think we're still like on the same side, except a little different viewpoints. This is not the case We're we're fighting, I would say, cold civil war right now. And we have to be prepared to fight it this way. And unless we realize as a party and organize this way, nothing is going to happen. So when we watch polls, we're not just watching and telling that's OK. When they tell you it's OK not to look at it, it's not OK. I want to look at the room that's adjudicated. I want you to open the door and I want to see every single ballot. 
Otherwise, there's no point for me watching the other 20, which I know are not getting stolen. So why are you keeping me in this room? Because what happened in my group, we had like maybe five Republicans and they said, well, you cannot go look in this room. I mean, they say, yeah, that's fine. No problem. It is a problem. Right? I, I do want to see that room. Otherwise, what's the point of me being here? And I, I assume that they're cheating unless proven otherwise. Right. And, the, and you said it yourself uh, and it's been pointed out by others, but the left seems not just seems they are way more organized uh, on this type of thing. And they're way more militant. Uh, and, you know, like you said, they don't really care what it takes to get the election. Now, I'm not advocating cheating uh, by the right or anything like that, but they do have to get a lot more serious about this. And there's not much time left to do it, honestly. Um, now we Giuliani was was mentioned earlier. Now he's facing charges in Georgia along with Trump and a bunch of others. Um, and one of the things uh, that the left is trying to do, the Biden administration, um, is trying to criminalize uh, some of the activities uh, surrounding challenging the 2020 election. First off, have you, have you been worried about any of that? Uh, and second off, what do you think about that effort? Uh what they're doing is terrible because I'm completely, you know, people whom they charged is like Sidney Powell. Uh, I think it was personal lawyer uh, for Trump, like all the whole legal team has, has been charged for this. I mean, this is undermines the very foundation of our country where even the, the worst crooks in the world uh, are entitled to, to sound representation. And if you're telling that everybody who is, even if you assume that Trump is a crook, which I don't, but if you assume that even he is entitled to good representation. So every lawyer on his side should be, immune from prosecution, because otherwise it's going to chill any kind of defense in this country forever. So if you are an honest Democrat, you should be revolting against that. And, th and I think Alan Dershowitz actually talked about this, and he said that this is not okay that they may be, be prosecuted for, for speaking their mind and, and providing representation to their client. But what the, what I see on, on in California, a lot of things are going on, and like even like public figures of a small maybe size, like me, like people on a Republican assembly side, like just, just to function, you're like, for example, the guy who was doing fundraising for Trump in San Mateo County just got in jail for some absurd reason of sexual harassment that happened 10 years ago, which all of a sudden he became a person of interest 10 years after, only the moment he became a proponent of a district attorney recall and when he was trying to fundraise for Trump. Why now? And, and I know that my company has a lot of interest from federal agencies of all kinds all the time now. I've, I've been in business for 25 years. All of a sudden this year, I'm such a person of, of interest for everything. Every single agency seems to want to know what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, auditing everything. So I don't know if it's prosecution, if it's related, but it hopefully seems this way. Well, it's meant to have, and you mentioned that too, it's a chilling effect, right? Like that's what they want. Uh, and whether they prosecute every single person or not, um, it's to scare people from, <laughs> from getting involved. It's like, okay, well, if I stay over here, they won't mess with me, right? If I don't exercise my rights and, and this and that, they'll leave me alone. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, it makes it hard to secure, secure counsel. Well, we've seen that with Trump. Uh, and a lot of lawyers won't take him. Now, he's a little bit of a different difficult client perhaps too, but, um, <laughs> a lot of lawyers just won't get involved with it because they don't want that type of target on them. Absolutely. And that's exactly what they want. So they're saying, even if Trump cannot get representation, right. think about yourself. If you get in trouble, you're out of luck. And that's the message. That's right. Uh, now let me see, uh, I'll try to put a bow on that, but, um, uh, I think I pretty much covered all the, uh, I didn't plan to go in that, but you, you had the experience there. So, uh, I figured we would talk about a little bit, stop the steal and all that. Um, 
Now, I, I had this on the list too, the, the 2024 election itself. Now, how do you see that playing out uh, in the Republican primaries and, and through the general? We'll talk about Trump's candidacy first. What, what do you think about Trump's candidacy? I think whether you like him or not like him, he's going to be our nominee. I mean, there's nobody else. If you look at the polls, left lefty polls, righty polls, he has a, such a gap between his rating and Ron DeSantis, which is the next contender. And forget about Nikki Haley, you know, Vivek, all of these people, it's just noise. It, it, they're not going to happen. We, we just can safely ignore whatever they're saying. They're trying to build their political career of Trump. Now that's why they're running. But there's no chance anybody is going to beat Trump at this level and at, at, at that stage of the game. So I think we can say that on our side, I would say it's about 95% is going to be Trump, even if he's in jail. I don't think there's any way to prevent him from running. And I, I think, I think uh, ironically, even if he's in jail, it's going to be even better for him because whoever was on the fence will definitely stand by the victim and all that mentality. Well, yeah, I was going to... I was going to ask you next, do you think they'll actually put him in jail before the election or if they do get they a conviction? Do the, if they see this is, there's a chance of stopping him because he's in jail, they will yeah. try everything. They're not gonna, that's my point. Democrats do not stop and they do not uh, look at the methods. As long as the goal is, is just, and in their mind, having Democrats in power is a just goal, they will not stop at anything. So I, I will not be surprised if they put him in jail. But is it going to stop Trump? I hope not. Well, yeah, and I, th I think you're right about the I – I think he's got the nomination, even if he's in jail. Uh, but I do – yeah, I, I don't think there's any stopping that. But I, I do wonder – I mean, unless the Republican Party itself tries to change rules or something. And in that case, they might as well just get rid of the Republican Party. I don't think they're based – They can just hold themselves because yeah. we're going to leave the Republican Party. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that that will work, really. Um, but I do wonder if the, they would stay a verdict or – let him stay out on appeal before the election just for optics reasons. But part of me is like you. I don't really know that they would do that. I think that a lot of them uh, just want to get him off the board uh, no matter what. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Now, what about DeSantis himself? I've been a pretty big critic of of his campaign. I, it just looks like he's not ready for for a national stage, and he's kind of – flopping around out there and looking really weird and we've seen this happen to other candidates too who come in and they're really hyped up and the national media is saying they're going to do this and that and what plays in florida or what plays on a smaller level is not really seeming to play nationwide for desantis and you know what what, what he's saying like and see especially desantis his big thing is like unlike somebody else and we know who he means i did not close anything for covid which is not true he did close florida florida was fully closed in the beginning. So he did not do anything different than Trump would have done. And Trump only got like a beginning of the whole thing. So his main campaign message that that I'm going to put Fauci in jail and, and yeah. be uh, true about COVID, I mean, I, when you had the chance, he didn't do anything different. So I don't see how you're going to be better than Trump. And also, you know, the, the funny thing is I, I actually went to one, one big fundraiser in Silicon Valley for Ron DeSantis when he was actually speaking to the biggest players in Silicon Valley. And uh, he said everything right, that he was very respectful of Trump, everything was cool. And then at the end, people just kind of dispersed in small groups and started discussing. And these are the people, uh, so you understand that they, they support him. They paid about $50,000 per plate to, to be the fundraiser. So that's people who are actually hoping that he's going to win or run or whatever is the point of doing $50,000 to play there. Uh, and then when we talked at the end, I said, like, so you like him? Yeah, he's fine. He's, he's this, he's that. So I said, who are you going to vote for? And they said, you know what, Trump. <laughs> so people, you know, this is this is this is tell you something. So they they would want him. I'm telling you that they put money where their mouth is, literally. 
And even these people said, like, yeah, I think it's strong. I think it's lack of charisma. He's just not the kind of guy. He's like, you don't feel safe in his presence. I don't know. It's just with Trump, you feel like you're protected. Well, and, and tr he just doesn't seem that authentic, uh, you know, uh, and he has that fake smile going. And I know, you know, all politicians have a little bit of that, I guess, but it, it's just really not. It's just really not coming across. And to me, he's kind of hurt him his standing uh right he should have probably set this one out and uh so. right yeah that's my goes against trump now is my personal enemy so this is how right we well a lot of people yeah. feel that way and if he had set it out no matter what happened in 2024 he could have ran in 2028 now i know but he's turned maybe maybe yeah. consider that respectful maybe it's patience would pay off and you would be vp or something else you have all your life ahead of you you're young well the, the well, the Republican primary is, is basically almost a um, kind of a VP sweepstakes, except for DeSantis, because, you know, he won't be picked no matter what, because he went against Trump. Uh, and some of these other people, Vivek especially, you can tell he's kind of running for vice president, really. Uh, and no, I think, yeah, I, well, yeah. Trump's already said, I think he's going to pick a woman. And he's talked about that. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't really see that either. But you notice he doesn't ever really cross Trump uh, out there on the campaign trail too much. Uh, and DeSantis has kind of just uh, poisoned himself. Now, you mentioned COVID, um, you know, DeSantis's record on COVID and kind of how he's fudging that uh, a lot, not even just a little bit. But do you think that um, COVID is going to be rearing its head again? Do you think the government's going to try to uh, implement some of the COVID lockdown stuff or ramp up? um pressures around that i know they have a new booster out there i haven't taken any of those but or even well, you know original, but... california usually leads the way in everything evil in the country so i can tell you what's going on i mean i have a lot sure. of people i own like a republican coffee shop so i see a lot of people coming through and it's like just just to, it's a republican but i see people coming just for coffee and it's um mostly like they're all in masks again so they they're kind of playing along uh, schools are telling them kids that the booster is available next week and they're encouraging people to boost again. So like, it's nonstop. They, you know, it's, it's election season. So why not have COVID on top of it? I don't think it's sincere. I mean, I don't see people getting sick, but it's a flu season, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's my view too. And I, you know, I'm not one who says it's, you know, fake or, or this or that, but it's overhyped. Right. Uh, yeah. and you know, I, you know, I have my reasons for not taking the vaccine and this and that, but they really did try to, muscle people into take now i'm a streamer so you know i didn't i could just not take it uh but you know people who had jobs or you know they worked for this organization who makes them get it or the government etc a lot of people had to end up getting the vaccine whether they want to or not uh right. and what do you think about this is really kind of off topic what do you think about the vaccine itself i mean i look at the pfizer uh, balance sheet how great they're doing so this is this is what it's about. I mean, I, I used to take I used to give all the vaccines to all my kids after this COVID thing. I'm, I'm skeptical of everything they do, because it seems like the, the main motive for everything is a profit, because now they're pushing this booster again and they know for a fact it's not going to work on most people. So even even now, Governor Newsom, whom I hope you will never see as your president, <laughs> uh, which which this, this would be the worst thing ever. I wasn't Biden, by the way. But even he he said that the way we approach COVID by, with lockdowns and forced vaccinations is not the right way to do it, and he would not do it again. And it doesn't get any worse and more left than the Newsom. And I I don't think boosters is the way for everybody. It's a personal choice. If you want to boost yourself, boost all your way. 
Yeah, I mean, if people want to. I it's the forcing to get it, and I, I'm with you. Honestly, it's a it's a money making thing, uh, and they rushed the vaccine out in the first place, and obviously they didn't have the proper research on that. We've seen some uh, incidents, yeah. uh, and so. Uh, yeah, yeah, a couple, one or two. Uh, and so for any good it did, uh, to me, the bad outweighed that all the way around. I definitely don't regret not getting it. Uh, and I know most of the audience here feels the same way. But uh, to kind of – so we talked about the Republican side and – uh, DeSantis and Trump, and it's pretty much, you know, it's pretty much guaranteed to be Trump regardless. So it's kind of a formality. But what about Biden uh, himself? What do you d derive any confidence out of his performance? Um, to me, he's, and I'm not the only one who thinks this kind of common thought, even among Democrats, he's lost a lot of cognitive ability just <laughs> in the last three years since he since he became president. Uh, is he going to make it to 2024? Will they? try to pull a bait and switch and put Newsom or somebody else like that out there? As long as he have a pulse, he's going to be nominee. So that's their thing. But I think our thing, we should be rooting for his good health now because nobody is better against Trump than him. Newsom would be bad news. Kamal, even Kamala so would be bad news. So we, we should be hoping that he gets a little better, good enough to be nominated. And this doesn't care what happens after this. But But he needs to be running against Trump because only then we have a chance. Because I'm telling you that Newsom looks presidential to a lot of people. Because no, nobody cares what he says and nobody listens. They just look at the way he looks. And he looks presidential enough to pass muster on a little level that, that we need to get I to. I agree with that a million percent. If Newsom got in there, he'd most likely be president. Yeah. yeah, and that's not an endorsement of Newsom. I don't like his policies. But uh, like you said, he, he cuts a good figure. He looks like he's... he's yeah, That's, he. so low at this point. Well, know? he looks like he's from central casting. Like, you know, you would cast somebody to be president in a movie. I mean, he looks like that, right? Uh, and for a lot of people, that's all it takes. Uh, and so, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm. I have a healthy respect uh, for Gavin Newsom if he was to get on the ticket or, or go national. And clearly, you know, he's angling for that, uh, whether it happens in 2024 because something happens to Biden or after. I mean, it's pretty clear he's going to run for president, I think, at some point. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, the, okay, so we covered Biden and and, uh, and all that. Um, I don't think he's going to have a, a real challenge either as long as he's alive. Um, just even if people want him off the ticket, I, I think he's going to be on. But uh, all right, let's shift away from politics. Although this, this is kind of political too. Now we're here on Rumble, uh, Rumble.com here on Killstream Live. Um, have you seen what's been going on with Russell Brand? I have, I have, yeah. So for those who don't know, I think probably everybody does. Uh, Channel Four and the Times of London. I think it was the Sunday Times. I'm, uh, two different entities. Uh, supposedly, but it, there's a Sunday Times and the London Times. Anyway, they did a joint investigation, quote-unquote, uh, of Russell Brand, and they came out with all these accusations. A lot of them are, most all of them are old, like 10 years old, 14 years old, um, and they they said he, I guess they basically accused him of rape uh, and accused him of uh, some sexual improprieties and just so happened to come out, you know, he was a, a favorite guy. He was on the BBC. He was on, you know, in Hollywood movies and just so happened to come out when he's getting, um, you know, notice and publicity for not necessarily being on the right fully, but kind of being a skeptic uh, of of the vaccine and kind of being uh, skeptical towards a lot of left wing talking points. Um, what do you think about the whole thing? 
I think it's a, it's a very like symptomatic of times because when he was a lefty, he was the darling of everybody. Not that I like him. I, I always hated him. I don't think his uh, switch and epiphany is sincere. But now that he is on the right, it's an open season on him. They're fighting him. Same thing that I told you happened to one of my, I would say, comrade in arms in political fighting in California when all of a sudden, 10 years later, they find some kind of a sexual stuff to charge him with which is like, where were you for 10 years? How come it's such an issue now? And the same thing with him, because they know that anything sexual is, is a way to get him out, because that's that's a big, big deal for somehow with Me Too movement and all that, uh, it, it became a way to fight everybody on anything. So if you, you know, like like the way it used to be, you know, Al Capone, they would not get him for crime, they would get him for taxes. Now it's, it's more sexual stuff. So this is what I'm looking forward to, and I'm thinking, it's coming any day now because Bill Meyer is another one who's switching to the right. It's not like he's switching. It's just the left is shifting so much to the left that he, having the integrity that he has, ended up being more central right than, than before. I think they're going to devour him the same way because Bill Meyer used to be lefty, politically incorrect, all of that. And now that he's switching, and if he says something to support Trump or even Elon Musk, I want to see how they're going to come up with some kind of sexual BS against him too. Yeah, um, he's definitely kind of um, been skeptical of some of the Me Too stuff and the, you know, just throwing people out to the wolves based on the accusation. And you're right about the uh, sexual connotation. It just sells in the media. It's an easy way to uh, just chop somebody down in the wake of Me Too and all that. Now, Russell Brand, there was a letter sent from the UK Parliament. I guess it was the right. Sport and Culture Committee or whatever they call that over there. Um, they sent a letter to Rumble uh, and basically said, hey, nice site you have here. You better get rid of Russell Brand. Uh, he shouldn't be making money here. Now, YouTube already, they probably got a similar letter, although they didn't say. But they got they demonetized him just right away um, and rumble refused to how dangerous is that sort of intervention from a from a foreign government or just any government our government could do that too but. it doesn't matter where you stand left or right this is essential freedom for everybody because think about this i mean pendulum switches like it, it turns now like democrats in power some point hopefully republicans gonna be in power would you like to be shut up all the time because i mean we have to preserve our essential freedoms regarding of who stands for, for what it, you have to be able to talk and that's like this is what defined america and if we give this up i don't know what's gonna be left yeah i couldn't agree more and you know i don't know if i don't know what's gonna end up happening uh with brand but i, I did respect rumble a lot for basically telling them to screw off, right? Uh, and that they were going to keep doing their their thing and they weren't going to demonetize them. Um, and then, of course, YouTube just completely rolled Whoa. over. That wasn't a surprise. Uh, <laughs> you know, they always do that. But um, all right, so we, we talked about Russell Brand a little bit, we talked about the election, we talked about Stop the Steal. Um, what about the Supreme Court uh, itself? Now, you're an attorney, uh, and so I wanted to ask you about some of these legal issues. First off, um, Roe v. Wade it, you know, got overturned uh, last summer, and I know it's a little bit old, but I kind of wanted, wanted to touch on that a little bit. Um, I don't know if you, if you, if you got, have a huge background on that, but wh where do you think that's going? I know Trump's talked a little bit about you know, trying to hammer something out federally. First off, the decision itself uh, and the makeup of the Supreme Court. And then uh, where do you see abortion rights nationwide going from here? 
I mean, it's going to be more of a divisive issue again. So it's going to divide the country because all the court did, they, they kicked it back to the state. So they said it's not like Democrats think that they, they overturn the right to abortion, not at all. So they basically told the states, this is your issue. Stop asking us questions because it's always, always been a state issue, not a federal. So all it means that more Republican states are going to probably crack down on abortion and left a state like, like California, they're actually offering to bus people from Texas to California to do abortion. So we're going to, left state is going to be more lefty on that and right is going to be more right. So if anything, it's kind of polarizes us even more. But in terms of actual effect on women who want to get abortion, I don't think it changes much because of, if you're that adamant about abortion, you jump on a plane and you go to California and they will welcome you with open arms here anytime. And they'll pay for it. Yeah, and I, I think that's an important distinction. Um, you know, a lot of these states have passed bills to the liberal states to to help you know people get abortions, uh, and you have these from out of state, and you have these uh, left wing advocacy groups who will actually pay for your trip if you're too poor, right? And uh, they want more abortions, and they want you to have it if you want it. And so it's not really how it's been portrayed. Uh, by the left, because you can definitely still get abortions in the United States in most places, right? Even still. Uh, and it just kind of kicked the decision back down. Now, affirmative action, that's more recent. That was uh, at the end of June. Basically, the Supreme Court struck down affirmative actions uh, th as far as college admissions uh, are concerned. And there's been a lot of for those who've followed the issue, the colleges have kind of um, tried to skirt around it or change criteria or this or that. Well, finally, this, finally the Supreme Court just said, no, uh, you can't use uh, racial criteria um, for admitting people to colleges. Uh, and there has been a backlash where certain colleges said they were going to just do it anyway or they were going to... Um, basically do it but not say they're doing it right uh and try to like come up with a different formula so there, there's been some backlash uh to that on the left as well um but what do you think about that decision itself so the basically decision said that they cannot use a race as one of the factors so it was not usually right. one of the criteria, but it was one of the factors yes. on what dissent said which is sotomayor she said, well, this is this means, and she kind of reiterated, which is nice because she's a leftist. She said, decision basically means that you cannot use it as one of the factors. So it specifically told colleges that you cannot find a way around it because whatever way you find around it, we're going to strike it down because there is decision. And the Supreme Court is very unusual in this kind of approach because they, they, they're not always as clear as we like them to be. In this case, they made it super clear, So which was amazing for our cause because it means like you people are going to getting into college more on the merit than anything else. The... The backlash we had is unfortunately a lot of colleges are abolishing SAT because this is an, another way to accept people who do not get on the merit. And if there's no merit left, what else is there? Yeah, and you brought that up, and I'm glad you did because I actually I had read about that, but I forgot. Yeah, some colleges they say that the SAT is racist, basically, or it discriminates against certain racial groups or certain class groups, and. I mean, it's a test, right? Like, I don't know, <laughs> study more. Like, I don't know. That's kind of how I was brought it's up. It basically goes down to whatever you are, poor, right, you know, white, black, whatever. If you don't study, you don't study. Right. Yeah. yeah, if you don't study, you don't study. And now with the internet, I mean, you know, there's really no excuse. Uh, there, all this stuff's out there. Like, I mean, it's nothing stopping people uh, from, from studying. Now, the Supreme Court in general um, – First off, how important is it? I already know the answer to that. Very important. But how how important is it? Uh, and how did Trump 
kind of remake the Supreme Court. It's basically um, six three, I think now, um, which is huge. I, I don't think there's ever been a gap like that. That's why they love the court so much because they're one yeah. of the agenda. And thank you for Munchen from Arizona who said he's not going to support that because their first panic response was to pack the court and get rid of this because they know that the majority we have is a super majority. And this is going to be so hard to pass any of their crap, I'm sorry, through. So at least out of, you know, all the branches, this one is solid for now. Yeah, and um, like I mean, there have been gaps like that, but not during my lifetime. Uh, 6-3 is huge. I'm used to... Cool, yeah, yeah it's, it's huge. Um, now... What do you see? Do you see that kind of staying the same uh, as we go forward? Uh, and do you think the next president will get to, to nominate anybody? It looks like it might be locked locked at that for a while. But it's kind of locked because Trump did it. He he got young people there, so it's pretty locked for for, for a while. So I, as long as I, I hope uh, Clarence Thomas is not yeah going in. Yeah, he yeah, might be the, the one. Thing. I mean, he's the most conservative judge out there, and hopefully, um, he's there to stay. But that's the only guy I'm kind of not sure about but everybody else is staying for a while i think when yeah I, I guess you're right i didn't think he's a little long of the tooth he might be the one if there was anybody to leave it might be him he's he's the guy and he's not gonna yeah. uh, you know he's gonna pick one for the team he's not gonna leave when we have democratic president so if we get trump he will he will bite the bullet and leave and, and give him a chance because otherwise he, we cannot take chances like that yeah i, I would agree and, and that's you know we saw ginsburg she was holding on trying to as well that's kind of common for them to try to Stay in until uh, their side basically gets into the presidency. Um, what do you think about the performance of the chief justice himself, uh, John Roberts? I mean, the, it happens a lot that the, when the chief justice kind of shifts a little to the center. He was more right when he was on a lower level of courts. So, he, but they, whatever he's doing does not affect things that much right now. So he is basically voting with the majority every time. He did not betray us once. He's. I don't think even once his vote was deciding to be on the other side. So he's performing as expected. He's more centrist than we would like him to be. He's not as radical in his opinions, but he's still with us. He, he did not switch sides. Yeah, and it's more of a, more of an optics thing, right, where he, he kind of right. wants to be and at least appear to be more in the center. Uh, but, yeah, when it comes down to deciding votes and deciding – actions he, he usually does uh fall in with the with the conservative block um so we, we talked about the federal court i did see i don't know how much you know about this decision and i meant to bring it up to you but i saw the um it's another supreme court decision but it was uh arizona versus uh, Mayorkas. um and i don't know i didn't put it on the list but the my chief of staff mentioned it um Title 42 of the Public Health Services Act authorizes the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to bar the entry of individuals into the U.S. to protect the public from contagious diseases. And basically Trump had used this to bar people from Mexico or coming up through Mexico uh, to come into the United States uh, during his term. And then Biden held it over and then tried to reverse course on it. And, and they, I guess somebody filed a lawsuit in Louisiana and they won. Uh, and so um, now they, they took it up to the Supreme Court. I don't know if there was a decision. Uh, yeah, but, you know, the, our problem is not the legal entry. Legal entry, we can, you know, split hair as much as we want, like this people or that. It, that's not what makes a difference. The huge inflow of illegals, that's what makes a difference. So they, don't, they don't care what statute we use or whatever it is. They just come in. 
and we have an open door for them. So you, as long as Biden doesn't stop that, it doesn't really matter the individual decisions that are going to prevent like a few hundred people or maybe even a few thousand people from coming because we're talking about millions right now. Yeah, uh, and that's and true. So in California, we can feel that a lot because they end up in California somehow. They don't enter through California, but they end up in California because they know for them it's it's a, like it's a, it's a paradise. I mean, they, they our assembly is debating now whether to give unemployment benefits to them because they're like they're using free schools, they use free medical care. Why not give the money to on top of it? Now, how important to double back a little bit? Now we talked about the Supreme Court, but how important is the federal judiciary? And I know that Trump got a lot of nominees through mm -hmm. while he was president. Um, how important is that to the policymaking uh, apparatus uh, as far as, you know, getting your policies through and keeping them enacted? Um, and it does seem like Trump did the right thing and kind of focused on that. But previous Republican presidents maybe didn't uh, do what they should do there. Um, how important is the federal judiciary? It's extremely important. So this this he did a great thing, and he put a lot of judges in. And the Supreme Court, he did amazing. Remember how he jumped through the last one, which was like, like a last second stunt. I mean, amazing. Amazingly enough, he did that, and that that guaranteed us a lot of good things will be happening. So, but that's not enough. I think I was hoping that I'm hoping that next term he's gonna clean up the executive agencies because he was too, I think, magnanimous. That's the right word to say because he thought that once he wins. It's all kumbaya from now on. People still Americans. We're not going to be fighting. And he did not clean up FBI, CIA, Department of Homeland Security. There's so many uh, people put in there by Obama who are like political operative now. They're, they're not defending any kind of freedoms or, or the purpose of the agency. They're basically going after political opponents. And that's that's what I feel my, myself and a lot of Americans. They're abusing their powers just because they can. And that needs to stop. So I think the, uh, the next task for his uh, next term is to focus on executive agencies while still putting in judges and, and clean this up and fire them, I don't know, whatever, but get, get rid of all this um, hardcore Democrats who are there for political reasons. Now, going back to Trump, <clears throat> like his personal uh, case, uh, you're a lawyer, and so I figure I'll ask you this. Um, if he does get back into the White House, which I'd say he has a chance, and he's leading in some of the polls, a lot of them versus Biden, um, and they asked him this on Meet the Press on Sunday, and I think he kind of dismissed the idea of pardon, pardoning himself. Um, do you think he should have done that? I kind of do, honestly. Do you think he should have done that while he was in the White House, and do you think that uh, maybe he should if he gets back in? Pardon himself after the fact? It wouldn't matter. Who cares? If he is in there, <laughs> really, who cares if pardon pardon? Because he's not going to run again. He only has two terms. Okay, he can he can take it. He, I, I don't think it's good optics for him to pardon yeah. himself. I think it's more important for him to win and, and then just kind of, yeah, take, take, take it as a martyr and, and accept it and, and have it haunt Democrats for many, many terms after that. that they yeah, that's a it. fair point. I mean, if he gets in the White House, they're not going to put him in jail anyway, right? Like, uh, And if he's already in jail, I don't know how that'll work. But you can yeah. run from for president from jail. People have done it before. Eugene Debs ran for president. I don't know if you can be president from jail. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can run. I don't really know how it would work if you and then there's also some questions about will he still have Secret Service protection in jail? And uh, there's like some weird um, issues there. And I mean, technically, by the book, you would think, yeah, he would. But what are they anywhere? Gonna do? Anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But what's what are they going to do? Sit outside his cell or just wait for him to come out? I mean, I don't know. It's just crazy to think about like the prisoner having, uh, you know, Secret Service protection. But those are the types of 
of of issues that they've that they brought up. Now, uh, I kind of went through most of the stuff that I wanted to, but this is a little off topic. Uh, but uh, Vladimir Zelensky uh, was at the UN yesterday, and that, that's kind of a big thing. Um, and some people on the right don't think Ukraine should should get this aid, and it's a, it's a little bit of a distraction and kind of a, costing us a lot of money, especially during a recession and economic downturn. Do you have any thoughts on that at all? I mean, on one hand, whatever uh, weakens Russia is good because. It, if we want to fight the proxy war, what, what is a better way than the Ukraine to fight Russia and make it weaker? But I don't think it's making it weaker. I think it's making it desperate and it's making alliances, Iran, North Korea. So we're going to give birth to something that that's terrible, which is going to be another axis of evil. And that's that's just maybe side effect of us uh, helping uh, Ukraine too much. And on the other thing, you're absolutely right. I mean, we have so many problems in this country. Why finance some kind of wars? I mean, how, how did it pay off for us in the, in the past? things like that. And why Ukraine and not Somalia, just because they're white? I mean, what, what, what is so special about Ukraine? It's a small country that it's very questionable who is right, who is wrong there, even though invading other countries is not good, but who owns, you know, who owns or who has rights to Crimea, it's a questionable issue legally. And it's, it's not a 100% answer that, that the Ukraine should have it. But at the same time, it's not something that American taxpayers should be footing the bill for. It's just not. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, we had a Polish uh, guest on the other day, and you know, Poland has supported Ukraine, but he, he said that uh, I didn't really think about it from this. Poland has a lot of issues with Ukraine historically, and uh, Ukrainians doing some really bad things uh, to the Polish people at, during World War II and stuff like that, and they don't forget that sort of thing uh, in Europe. No, no, they have long memory. Jewish and I, we don't forget. We, yeah, we yeah, right. Have, yes, that's right. Yeah, that, so Ukraine is just like the way we would say it in Jewish community. We wish luck to, to both sides. Yeah, well, that's, that's what. Well, he said they were supporting them because they were fighting Russia, right? Like they don't even really like Ukrainians. But it's like, well, if I don't really care how many Ukrainians die if they're if they're fighting against Russia, and I think there is uh, some of that out there. But I don't I don't know that it's. I mean, it's got Russia tied up. You know, and kind of got them uh, on the back foot, maybe a little bit militarily. But you look at diplomatically, and we were just watching the the interview with uh, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, and they're joining BRICS. And uh, you know, diplomatically, it kind of has maybe given them a little juice uh, with some of these non-aligned countries, uh, and they've kind of used that to their advantage. I think. Absolutely. Uh, now I think that's pretty much all my question. We did all, about an hour here. That's kind of about what I wanted to do too. Now, first off, did I not bring up anything that you wanted to talk about, uh, or that you're working on if you wanted to talk about it here at the end? I mean, I, I probably going to express a lot of people's frustrations, but, uh, our problem is Republican party. This is like a fifth column. We cannot go fight and take on Democrats until our party itself is not organized. Because what I see in California, especially that. Republican establishment does not support small candidates. They, they try to support like Senate candidates in Congress, zero chance they're gonna get elected. Stop wasting money. Let's let's start to do it the way the Democrats do because we have to learn their ways and start small. Cultural commissions, school boards, you know, parks and recreation, put people there, small people there because they have a chance of getting elected and then slowly grow them to be county supervisors and maybe assembly members and then go from there because that's how Democrats, if you remember like back in Reagan's time, that's how they got all the positions because it hasn't been like that always in, in California history. So we kind of have to take a long, long road and make it have a lot of patience and start doing things that actually pay off. In, 
what we do in California, we're doing things for optics. We're supporting Republican governor candidates, Republican Senate candidates, zero chance. It's not happening. Forget it. Yeah, it's a, it's a waste of time. One thing I, I think that was good, and um, it, it, I don't know this died off, but you mentioned school boards, uh, and they've pushed um, in Virginia, basically, they, they helped win the governor's right. race there by going at some of their indoctrination, the left, and making that a real issue and focusing on some of the transgender stuff that they're pushing on kids and, and focusing on the, the 1619 project and all this and just, like, really uh, making that a big issue. And it works. Uh, it works, and it plays well uh, with Republicans, and it gets them to turn out to vote uh, if, you, if you point out how it's going at their kids basically right like that motivates people uh to vote so yeah i would agree with that a lot i appreciate you taking some time uh here tonight to talk to me why don't you tell the killstream audience uh how to find you and and what kind of stuff you do um i am i I am on facebook but i had to change my names many times because they (laughs) deleting my account so i have a weird name of burk ruten riyama so I, i transpose my syllables and my name so instead of Maria, it's Riyama and last name Rutenberg, Burg Ruten. It's the only way to avoid detection. And I also have a coffee shop, which is like a MAGA central for Silicon Valley. It's called shenucoffee.com. And we have political meetings there all the time. We, we gather with conservatives. It's like it's the hub for all kinds of Republican things in Silicon Valley. Very cool. And I really enjoyed uh, interviewing you tonight. And maybe you can come back during the election season. I'd love to have you back. Maria Rutenberg here live on the Killstream. Thank you so much for taking some time out today. Yeah, have a good one. All right. Now I'll close that out. Very good guest here live on the Killstream. I enjoyed that. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Good interview. Thank you. She was a good guest. Very pleasant and intelligent. I agree with that. Chat commenting on uh, her appearance. She's I'm that's not appropriate for me to say something like that about guests, but chat was very complimentary. <laughs> very complimentary in that regard. Uh, it's not like some random news presenter. I have to keep a little. <laughs> We have to have a little decorum here, but uh, I did see, I did see a little bit of that in chat. And she has a coffee shop. I love coffee as well. Uh, I love hitting the goal, although I don't know if we're gonna hit it today. Uh, Flokes has really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. Uh, and we had a little, I had a kind of a framework of some stuff we wanted to talk about, and then she mentioned her work on, uh, you know, challenging the election basically, and then I was like, okay. I'm going to hone in on that um, because it wasn't on the list, but um, I, I knew she had some back. So we ended up talking about that for for 15 or 20 minutes, and I, I really enjoyed it. So chat enjoyed it too. So good. Good. I'm glad. And we had her on years ago, like 2020, I think. It was a, It was a long time ago. And we were going back through the Rolodex and trying to, you know, get some people back we haven't had on in a while. And um, that was how that happened. And I emailed her, and she was she was down right away. So very, very pleasant. And I enjoyed talking to her last time, although it was a while ago. So I had forgotten uh, some of the... Some of the stuff we talked about, 
but uh, we got it together, and it was very good. Um, Chief of Staff says seven guests in three days. That's pretty good. I'd have to say that's pretty good. If you enjoyed, if you enjoyed, oh, Mark Levin. Okay, I'll pull that up. He's dunking on Ali Alexander. Okay, I'll pull that up. But uh, Dada says not a guest you could have had on Cozy, to be sure. Yeah, maybe not. Um, it, it frees me up a lot to be on Rumble. So, yes, Chief of Staff is right. Donate to help fund more guest appearances. Yes. I was trying to be a little more subtle than that, Chief of Staff. But if you enjoyed the interview and you have extra money to support the show, yes, I'll do my shill thing. Powerchat.live slash the Ralph Retort. Powerchat.live slash the Ralph Retort. Killstream.live slash tip. Dollar Sign Sunset Squad on Cash App. Checkya.com slash Killstream slash pay me. Killstream.live slash entropy. Rumble rants which a lot of people take advantage of, and those can be used to great effect uh, to support the show. And you can use a Rumble Rant, Hyper Chats. I can see those now, although the stream itself, not really pulling up on Odyssey. So, people are watching it, though. It's just not working for me. I don't know. Oh, look. Epp linked her coffee house. I love coffees and coffee shops. So... I wonder if we can see. Here's our car. It looks very nice. I don't know if I'll be in Silicon Valley uh, anytime soon, but if I do, I'll go there. Wen said, and if you're broke as fuck like me, at least like the video. That's right. Yes, you can like the video. And that helps too. So, And even if you support it, you can do that. Um, there goes her coffee shop. Let me see if I can... Uh, I don't know why it's a little bit off over here. Uh, but there goes her coffee shop in Silicon Valley. Looks very nice. It's hard to beat a good coffee shop. So. Now let me see. Yeah, I'll put that out, Chief of Staff. So the last three days we've had, or three shows. Well, yeah, I guess it's three days. It's Monday. Thomas777, Maria Rutenberg, Sabo Pancakes, Yakov was on yesterday, Polish Connection, Grimsey, and Nima Yemini. We also have a guest scheduled for tomorrow night. Damn, that cake looks good. <laughs> Holy shit, is that key lime pie? I guess that's pie, not cake. The first one. Looks like they have a wine bar with a piano. Well, I don't need the wine, but... Um, yeah, there's some, some slides from her coffee shop. Damn, that... Elon Pie looks fucking amazing. They have stuff. They have key lime pie in Mexico even. So, um, let's see. I'll pull this up. Somebody in chat linked this. 